0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Great. I was reading this morning just on something, the list of dad jokes, and uh, I kind of thought, shall I resist the temptation to be able to pick one off the list? And I couldn't. So the one that I picked was, what did the pirate say on his big birthday? Thank you very much. <laughs> what did the pirate say on his big birthday? I'm matey. That's good, isn't it? Oh, terrible, thanks. <laughs> okay, that's it. Now Psalm 23 has formed our framework through the series that we're going to end today called Reimagine. It's some um, material that was put out by the Church of England as they recognise that any church that's going to have a future is going to have to be looking to how it's going to be changed in a future that remains uncertain and keeps on changing. For instance, we did make plans based upon opening up, based upon the promise that that would happen because we really wanted to have opportunities, more opportunities to meet face to face and we had people saying, you know, give us a road map of what that looks like and of course we want to meet together too. But I have to say, and now this bit is opinion not sermon, I didn't really believe the so-called Freedom Day was going to happen when they said it was going to happen. I've not really had much hope that that would happen. I think the NHS is in crisis. There won't come a time where they're going to be able to say COVID is eradicated, and they even admit that. There's never—I don't think there's going to be a a point where there's no more cases. There's never. We also know, you know, everybody is going to die one way or the other at some point, anyway. A new variants will continue to emerge, and as a result, restrictions of various kinds and regulations will come too. And they will kind of over the future years ahead. I think we're going to see more or less freedoms, being permitted, and it's going to go on like that. That's how I see it. And so I'm glad that the plans that we made were flexible and adaptable, enough for us to be able to do more and to do it differently, albeit with the same restrictions in place for now, And actually, I'm really excited because I think these new in-person meetings that we're going to have starting next week and the style of them as we continue them over the summer is going to be brilliant. So please, especially if you're one of the ones who've been saying, we just want to meet, we just want to meet online. Will you book in then? Will you actually come? Will you physically come and join us at these events And, and come next week and in the weeks ahead? The more we fill up, the more we'll do. That's what I want to say about them. We're booking in four. If we end up with, you know, overbooking and oversubscribing, you know, we'll we'll find ways to be able to meet more. And we want to do that. Next Sunday, as as Hannah said before, there's going to be four one hour long in-person services here and in Cheadle Hume. They're going to be interactive. They're going to be fun. They're going to be safe for you to be able to come to and bring people. And if you really can't do that, then there'll also be an online service at 10.30 at at ivychurch.org and you can interact with that too, wherever you are. So, I don't know if you've got a Bible with you. We encourage you too through the summer to actually bring a Bible. Do you remember them? The paper versions even. To bring that with you, leave the phone at home if you have to, but bring a Bible and start to, you know, color it in, and underline it and do all those kind of crazy things that I like to do and it'll help us to engage. I'm really encouraging people to get into the Bible this summer. And if you've got your Bible, or if you need to do it on your phone, you can open it at Psalm 23. And we're not going to read it all through. We've been doing that the last couple of weeks. But the focus word in the material that we've been looking at for this week is the the word recover. And I think that's really apt because another thing I want to say is that this pop-up church model experiment we're going to do will actually give some amazing people, including some of the people that are in the room right now who have been putting on brilliantly for us all of this online stuff as it is, it's gonna give them and some other amazing people a bit of a breather and a chance to recover. And it's also gonna give others an opportunity to serve because as to kind of misquote Winston Churchill, so much has been done by so few for so many for so long. I think it's good that other people get to step up and do that and can we just show our appreciation for some of these guys for the amazing work that they have done for all of us. And as people go away uh, or have staycations, that gives time for other people to recover and regroup and realign for the autumn as we want to keep you up to date and we keep up to date with what's happening in the country and more important, what we believe God is saying to us about how we move forward because we all get off track, don't we? At different times. So every week in grow groups and on Sunday mornings, we've been studying Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And the line, if you go got underline underliner in your Bible, like I can see that Kathy's got hers open there, the, the line to underline for this time in Recover is verse 3, where it says, He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. I think we've got a, 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 something that will come up on the screen as well to do with these different things. See, Isaiah said, We all like sheep have gone astray. But if we follow the good shepherd, God says that we'll find ourselves not necessarily on the same old familiar paths, but on the right paths. That's a promise. So you know how the psalm starts. Why don't you, if you're in the room, read it out loud with me. Just read out loud the first line of Psalm 23. It says... I have all that I need or I shall not want. Notice it's personal. It doesn't just say the Lord is a shepherd. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say the Lord is our shepherd. David says the Lord is my shepherd. And when I realise that, then I get to know that I can depend on him. for, and He's what I need. He'll give me what I need. And so all I really need is to trust him. We know that David, who wrote these Psalms, actually was himself a shepherd. But he says... I'm a shepherd but the Lord is my shepherd and he knew as a shepherd that the sheep under his care were not worried when David cared for them and he in turn knew the Lord is my shepherd so I shall not want as long as I trust in him when I put myself in charge when I become my own shepherd It's not long before fear and frustration show up in my life, or if anybody else or anything else is shepherding me. We'll soon be in want because actually all of those different things don't satisfy us. If money shepherds us and kind of leads us, or if we're led by our jobs or by what people demand, I'll end up dissatisfied, disillusioned, disappointed because nobody's perfect. But the rest of the psalm reminds us of all the ways that Jesus, the good shepherd, guides and provides for his sheep. As you read through that, he gives rest. He gives refreshment. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he helps me to recover the right path. He leads me along the right path. As a church leader, people ask me, and it's a fair question, so where are we going? What are we doing? It's a a fair question, but I never want to forget, actually, Jesus is the senior pastor here. I'm a shepherd. He's the good shepherd. I follow him. If I forget that, whenever I forget that, I'll be off track. And then I have to just come back to him and say, Lord, you're the shepherd. I want to follow you. I want to follow your lead. And you know what? That's best for everybody, isn't it? Just because it may look like I don't know where I'm going, doesn't mean I'm lost. Because he's not. I once was lost, as the old hymn says, but now I'm found. So I can't be lost again. The Lord is my shepherd, so I can never be lost again. You can't be lost when you're with the one who is the way and the truth and the life. How can I possibly ever be lost again? See the most anxiety producing, stress inducing factor in the world today is uncertainty about the future. Trying to figure it all out ourselves. Who's gonna lead us into the future? What's gonna happen tomorrow and next week and the next day? That's why so many people are full of fear, addicted. So the scrolling the news cycle as if knowing what's going on somehow gives you control over it. All these decisions and we make a decision. Then we end up getting frustrated because everything changed again. And now now what are we going to do? How can we know we're making the right ones? We can't. We can't know. But we can trust. We can't always know. But we can always trust. And when we make a wrong turn and we find that we've been going the wrong way, well, what do you do? Inevitably, you look back to the shepherd and you follow him and you find yourself back on the right, on the right path. The right path that he decides is the right path. This may insult your intelligence, but look at the sheep for a minute. They're not really very clever animals. They can't read maps. But they know who their shepherd is and they follow him. Sheep don't have to be clever. They just have to trust that he leads me beside still waters. He guides me along right paths. So rather than get a map, we get a companion. And that's better than a map he sets our direction and our job is just to follow him one day at a time one decision at a time for us here as part of that direction as Ivy as one church meeting in multiple ways we're gonna start to we've been focusing we've been saying this we're gonna simply focus on three B's however whenever wherever we meet as we gather in small medium and larger settings going forwards and again I've said this so many times We do want to meet as church in different ways, in different shapes and sizes, in different buildings, in all these different ways. We've got these three B's that we're going to be focusing on. We do want to meet as grow groups and start new ones. We have these things called micro churches already started that are trying to reach out to new people. The simple one-hour pop-up church we start from next week is another thing that we're going to do through the summer as an experiment, another way to be church. And we've just booked in faith for a great big all together in Manchester Academy after the summer where we've got an amazing guy called Andrew Palau who's going to be coming to speak to us, Louis Palau's son. Because as we've said For years, this is what we've done for years. We haven't changed in that sense. We always want to meet in all kinds of ways, in different shapes and sizes. And we're bringing on great new staff because we don't just wanna grow, we wanna multiply. And the size of the gathering that you find yourself in is a lot less important to God than the size of your faith. Wherever you meet, and your heart for unity and for real community, and to bring the love of Jesus to everybody and everybody everywhere we 've got another one of these prayer consultation meetings that 's going to happen quite soon and, and we wanna pray for these new people in that who are joining the team as well as the existing team and for the new future and to ask for God's favour and his direction into that. But again, there just seem, there's still misunderstandings about this. So please let me reiterate as clearly as I can. We're not saying we're just going to do micro church in the future. That's never been what we've said we're gonna do. Although that model is brilliant at reaching new people, If you talk with the people who've already trained and started them, you're going to hear exciting stories like I did this week about how they're already doing imaginative things to build bridges to people who at the moment don't really connect with church or with God. How they started to do alpha courses, how there's more of those started. How that next Sunday, there's going to be some baptisms of new believers from those micro churches. How cool is that? Others who did the training are about to launched the Message Community Church in, in association with Ivy there in Sharston. We're not doing Ivy Shaston again. This is not to revamp what was. We're not looking at what was we're looking at what is and what's going to be and we're not in front of it but we're right behind it because we're trying to lean into what God is actually doing now and we want to help to disciple the hundreds of people who have connected with the community grocery there who come out of real poverty and found hope and love and now they're asking questions and many of them have come to Christ and they just want to know more about God's love for them because reimagining church there is no one size fits all But here and there and in Cheadle Shume and in other places, we are going to have big and medium and small gatherings like we've always done, like we always did, until we couldn't because of a thing called COVID that happened. We will gather locally and reach out regionally. That's not new for us, but it is different because guess what? The world changed. The world has changed and it will keep on changing. But our best plan is not to ignore that change and just to long for it not to have happened. When there is no map that fits the current terrain and all the landmarks changed, our best plan is to stick together because you don't want to be the lost sheep and follow the shepherd, trusting he will lead us in the right path for his name's sake and however we meet not just on Sunday mornings we're going to focus again on these three B's anytime place, anywhere to be a worshipper say that with me be a worshipper build community and bless your world Sociologists say that we're hard-wired to need, we have a longing for belonging, and it has to be met with us in at least four social spaces for us to be healthy. So as ivy grows out again from here, we aim to provide ways for you to grow and connect in all four of these ways, though the world is hurting right now because some of these ways to interact and connect have been taken away from us. But they say, here's here's the list of them, there's a public space, There's there's like a large crowd, some of which are just starting to happen, as we've seen on the TV, in different ways. There's large crowds now being allowed to gather in different ways. And, uh, you know, tennis and Royal Ascot and these different places. But you don't have to be posh to come to an Ivy all together. And yes, we're going to do them as we've done them before. And we can gather outside too, and we have done, but we're going to do this again. And we aim to do more so outside through the summer in organised and kind of disorganised ways, informal ways. And as, as we said again, I think it would be wonderful if hundreds of us would book and go together to Spring Harvest next April at Skegness, not just so we've got something brilliant to look forward to, but also because there's something amazing and faith building about being together with lots of other people and kind of knowing I'm not on my own because look at all of these people too and, um, and and you know some people love the big crowd and for them that's all about the big crowd it's the only time you ever really feel connected to other people or, or to God but if that's the only way then you're really missing out because you can be a you can worship there, you can be a worshipper and you can build community there and you can bless the world in those ways. But the next size of gathering, the mid-sized social space, maybe 50 or so, like a party with a purpose, where you connect with other people as you choose, we need that kind of gathering, those kind of numbers too. And we're going to make more of those available, like these pop-up churches that you can book for. Then there's the personal space, if you can see that on the screen, like if you have dinner guests, 8 to 12 people, we need those kind of connections as well. Everybody needs that to go deeper. You can't go as deep with a great big crowd as you can around your table with some people. And so this about is like opening up our homes and our hearts to other people. We are made made by God to inhabit and flourish and thrive in all these different spaces and one of the reasons we have this parallel pandemic pandemic right now of loneliness of isolation the the crisis that is is coming from that the way healing comes from that the way we recover back from that is to meet in all these different ways and you know the Bible nailed it long before the sociologists or the anthropologists said it because God right at the beginning in Genesis said it's not good for us to be alone. We need community in all these ways and you can get involved, don't stay isolated. And finally the last social space is the intimate space, just two or three of you going deeper, sharing everything that you wouldn't share with everybody. So we've got these social spaces. I wonder which one of ones of these you're strong in and which ones you're missing out on right now. And you get them anyway in, in the world, in the gym and in the coffee shop and in the, at the match, but, but what makes it Christian community? What's the difference? Jesus, Jesus is the difference. The recognised and welcomed presence of Jesus In these different spaces is what makes them Christian community. Which of those four spaces, as you look at them, would you count as church as you understand it? Is it just one or two of them? Do you just think of church, again, as being like a building that people come into? If so, you're missing out on the real thing because let's look at them again from the bottom up. When Jesus said, if two or three of you, gather together in my name I'm there with them that sounds like church to me he had 12 disciples who shared everything with him they heard the words they saw the works they did the wonders just like he did sounds like church to me and that was meeting in houses in personal spaces outdoors and indoors we de- if we define church biblically and not just by buildings we know that Jesus had 70 other Close, committed followers that he authorised to go and do the business for him, to share the good news, to heal the sick. That looks to me like church in the social space. Huge crowds gathered to come and hear his teachings. Thousands of people. And some of them even became followers and disciples when they didn't just come fish butties and go home the same. But they actually said, I'm going to take up my cross and follow you. So looking at them, you can be more be in all those spaces be a worshipper build community bless your world and in its simple form that's being church here in Manchester we love the bee don't we we love a good bee in Manchester Buzzing, buzzing mate we know that bees are called a keystone species if you take the bees out communities because of their work of pollination in an area and the good stuff that they do, without them we'd soon face extinction. The opposite of being a bee is when you get waspy. I don't know anybody who's a big fan of wasps. Why? Because a wasp just thinks about itself. Most of them are solitary. They don't produce anything other than for themselves. They just want to take, they don't want to give. The ideal day for a wasp is if it finds cider and gets her to have a drink and has a bit of a buzz off that and then maybe stings somebody on the way home before he goes and sleeps back in its nest. We can be more bee when you make the choice to be a bit less wasp in all four spaces, to meet with other people and meet with Jesus as regularly as you can. When you decide I'm going to be a worshipper, I'm going to build community, I'm going to bless the world around you. When you do that you have the kind of church happening that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against but you have to have all three to be a church. Take any one of those out and you you have you can have some good stuff happening maybe but you don't have church unless those three B's are buzzing. If you aim to build community and bless the world its betterment well again we're really grateful for Debbie and Greg and for the counsellors locally who join join us and do good stuff for us because that's what they're doing they're building community and they're blessing the world and people who in various ways people who want you know for the best of intentions go into politics at any level will aspire to be able to do those two things and it's brilliant and we thank God for them but that's not church if you say we want to be worshippers of Jesus and build community together That's not church. Why? Because it clearly disobeys what Jesus commanded and the reason he said that he came to start the church. God loves the world. And if we don't, if we won't reach outside of our own selfishness, that's not church. It's just your own little religious clique like the Pharisees had. And if you want to bless the world around you and be a worshiper, but you think you can do that without building community with other people, that's not church either because the Bible lists nearly 50 ways one another's that we get to love each other and that we have to do that. We can't do Christianity alone. Solitary sheep get lost. So one more time, let me underline in no uncertain terms so nobody can say it's not been said over and over and over again. We are fully committed as Ivy Church to meet with Jesus and with you in all those spaces in the future. And we are praying and planning and we need you to pray with us too about ways for that to happen. And we will continue to build community online with the people that are watching right now and the people who've connected with us already. And we have to pray because we don't know all the where's and we don't know all the how's and we don't know all the ways, but whether it's in person or online, whether it's pre-recorded, Or live whether it's through social media or socially meeting whether it's through buildings or hiring our own buildings or or, or hiring buildings or having our own buildings whether it's in houses or pubs and coffee shops and cinemas and schools as we met in so many of these kind of places before and we will do in the future we don't know everywhere we will be but we will be more be everywhere As we are led in the right paths. So how does it happen? It sounds like it should be really complicated. It's really not complicated. Jesus made it really easy. He said this. Why don't you read it out loud with me if you're in the room. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Like Psalm 23, many of us know these words by heart. We love them because we all get weary, we all get burdened, we get tired, we need rest. And Jesus says, here's how you get it, come to me. We make it complicated, but this is a summary by Jesus himself of everything that is essential in the Christian life. It's amazing how he could boil it down to such a few words. The answer to every question. The original audience were people who were bound up, tied up by complex, unbearable rules and regulations and requirements of the Jewish religious law. Jesus cut through it all and he just said, come to me. Just, just come. Let me take that away, that heavy thing that you carry in. Let me give you what I've got for you. And what I'm gonna give you is easy and it's light. It's, it's bearable. In Palestine, the oxen would be brought into the carpenter's shop and he would measure them carefully, mark out the wood and then carve it before the ox came back for a second fitting because it was really important that the yoke fit perfectly to make the task of pulling the plow and the load that it had to carry easier. So it didn't chafe or harm the animal. Jesus what, did Jesus, what was Jesus' occupation before he was a preacher? Jesus, the carpenter of Nazareth, would have made great yokes. Not dad yokes. I, I don't even know where that came from, I know. But I can just imagine outside his shop it would say, Our yokes are easy on a sign outside. Then the picture got transferred into Jewish thinking. Whenever a pupil decided to follow a teacher, it was said that they would take on the yoke of the rabbi. They would talk about the yoke of the commandments, the yoke of the law. In their writings, they said, put your neck under the yoke and let your soul receive instruction. And so the Lord says here, now come and take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. It's a personal invitation, like the Lord is my shepherd. He says, you come to me. Will you come to me? I love how the message puts these words, how it describes them differently. It says this, Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't put anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is Christianity, guys. It's really not that complicated. It's a simple invitation Jesus gives over and over and over again. Come to me. Hurting people, broken people, sad people, weighed down people, grieving people. Come, bring it all. Anything you've got, just come. If it's getting heavy, the word labour there is it's a Greek word that would mean like when you're just sweaty because it's, it's such hard work and you're feeling crushed and fatigued with the weight of everything. When you start to feel like that, Jesus says, just come to me. Bring it to me. Actually, Jesus would probably say, I never asked you to do that. I'd never ask That's not what I wanted for you. You can't carry that. You can't carry it alone. Come to me. Let me give you what I've got for you. He doesn't just flog you. He doesn't expect you to carry on and grit your teeth. Just come. With what? Whatever. Whatever question, whatever worry, whatever problem, whatever's weighing you down. Just come. He says, come to me. Jesus' solution. See, nobody ever else ever said this or did this. Jesus' solution to everything is himself. To stop trying to figure it out myself, just to come to him. Nobody ever did this. Nobody in history, no politician, no poet, no philosopher, no public figure, ever said so simply and comprehensively, I am the answer. Just come to me. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, simply offers himself as the universal solution to everything and to everybody. For anything that burdens us. And of course we know as we look at the cross that Jesus himself carried the heaviest burden. He carried the yoke, the wooden yoke across his shoulders. Historians say he probably just carried the crossbar. That's all that they tended to carry, just the crossbar. And then he would, he would carry that down the Via della Rosa, and he got to the place of the skull and there there would be stakes in the ground and they would nail him to the, the crossbar and then he would be lifted up on the crossbar and placed upon the stake and that's where you end up with the cross shape being made. So there he is lifted between heaven and earth and he's still stretching his arms out in invitation to everybody saying, come to me. Come to me. What does he want when you come? Everything. I heard the story of a London banker who was exploring faith. He wondered if he'd become a Christian, whether he should become a Christian. He came to the point, He decided, he said to God, I want to give a 20% share of my life to you. And he felt God kind of speak to him and say, nope, I want 100%. So he tried to negotiate and he offered a controlling influence of 51%. To God, like, you know, on, apprentice, on the apprentice, however. But again, he kept sensing God saying, I want all of you. And finally, he gave his whole life to Jesus Christ. And that's it. That just says, I don't want to be my own shepherd anymore. I don't want to follow my own path. I'm going to drop all of that. I'm going to cast all my cares on you because you care for me. And the way John Bunyan wrote about this in my second favourite book, Pilgrim's Progress, is like this, he says this. Now I saw in my dream that the burdened man ran, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. And then he came to a hill and upon that place stood a cross. And as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from his back and began to tumble. And I saw it no more. And then he stood a while to look and to wonder. For him, it was a very surprising thing that the sight of the cross should ease him of his burden. And he looked and looked again until the springs in his head sent waters down his cheeks. The band are, are up and we're going to come to Jesus and worship now because he says, come to me. Whatever you carry in, you can come and talk to him. Just take this moment. You know, there's things that you carry in, people that you care about, situations you can't do anything about and you're worrying about. Bring that come with that this is his personal invitation he says I will be your shepherd you shall not want he's gonna help you to find the right path because he is the way bring it anything whatever you can't bear the sins the stresses the struggles bring them you can take it all come for the first time or if it's too heavy Just give your whole self to him again. If he's just got too heavy. Everybody is weary and burdened. This is People call it the divine exchange that takes place at the cross. Where I give him my burdens and he gives me his blessings. I give him my pain and he offers his peace. He says, just imagine Jesus saying, come to me. Come with all your griefs. Come with whatever you've got. I'll exchange it for joy. You don't have to carry it too big for you but bring your fears and bring your doubts bring your worries and exchange them all at the cross for the peace that the world cannot give and I will give you rest for your soul why don't you close your eyes just focus for a minute and start to pray we'll never understand it all But this relationship is one where he says you can come anytime, anyplace, anywhere with anything. With the good, the bad and the ugly. Whether for the first time or just so he can restore your soul again. Anybody here in the building, anybody watching or listening anywhere. Just kind of look to the cross and see his love for you. And when you feel weary and burdened, bring it all. Bring all of you. To the foot of the cross just come as you are and talk to him about everything and you will find rest for your soul thanks for listening for more podcasts go to ivychurch.org media